Essential oils. Wow, I did not know that. So that's really good to know. Uh, Merry Christmas to all of you. We are really, really glad that you're here. You know, Christmas Eve day is one of my favorite days of the year. You know, it's the one day in the midst of the hectic and busy and crazy Christmas season that so many of us gather together to slow down, to breathe. Could you just take a deep breath with me? Okay, right? Just to calm our hearts and to, and to take time to focus on the meaning of Christmas. It is really easy to lose sight of the meaning of Christmas in the midst of the Christmas season. So how do we discover what the true meaning of Christmas is? That's not an easy question because there are so many messages out there about Christmas and about the meaning. I've been listening to Cozy 101 and Try 102.5, you know, for weeks now. I love Christmas music. And there's one song that I feel like is on every playlist that they ever play. It seems like every time we get in the car, this song is playing. I've heard it dozens of times in the last few weeks, hundreds of times over the course of my life. It's a song that describes the meaning of Christmas, of why this is the most wonderful time of the year and the happiest season of all. Um, It's because we're all jingle belling and mistletoeing. I didn't even know those were verbs, actually. Um, And we're caroling out in the snow and marshmallows toasting and parties for hosting and sharing ghost stories. Yeah, that's really a meaningful tradition at our house. Uh, Right before the Christmas meal, we go around and we share our favorite episode of Stranger Things. Uh, No, not really. but, 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 But seriously, this song, It's the Most Wonderful Time of the Year, expresses one particular approach to finding the meaning of Christmas. And that is to focus on the happy circumstances and activities that are part of the season. So being with family and singing carols, I mean, in so many songs and Hallmark Christmas movies, the joy of the season is found in snow falling and finding the right person and having a happy ending. Now, I love that stuff. I mean, really, I'm as sappy as they come. I love these songs and movies and all of that. But here's the reality. That entire approach to Christmas ultimately leaves us wanting It is totally unsatisfying, especially in a world like ours, a world where there are shootings at concerts and in churches, where there are hurricanes and wildfires that wipe out thousands of homes, a world where cancer continues to bring devastation and families are falling apart and addictions are are rampant as people long to escape from their despair and suicide is taking the lives of so many people. In that kind of world, this idea that fireplaces and family gatherings and Christmas lights and snowfall will somehow bring joy into our lives, that just doesn't cut it. I mean, it's no wonder that so many people struggle emotionally during the holiday season. They see through this whole facade. They see through the facade and they realize if that's what Christmas is all about, what's the point? And I totally agree. (laughs) If those things are what Christmas is all about, what is the point? 
Well, thankfully, there's another narrative. There's another perspective on this whole meaning of Christmas thing. And that is God's perspective. See, when we truly understand and experience the meaning of Christmas from God's perspective, it is a total game changer. It is a total life changer, really. Instead of Christmas being about trying hard to find joy in our circumstances, Christmas actually becomes something far more substantial and real. You see, the true meaning of Christmas speaks directly to the reality of the world in which we live. It speaks directly to us in our pain and our confusion and our grief and our loneliness and our despair. So what is the true meaning of Christmas? It's actually not complicated. It's quite simple. When you boil it all down, Christmas is about two truths that God desperately wants us to understand and experience. First truth is this, God is for you. God is for you. On the night that Jesus was born, an angel appeared to a group of shepherds outside the city. In that day, shepherds were not well-positioned in society. They were not well-respected. They were outliers. They were outcasts. They were marginalized. And it was to this group that God chose to announce this amazing news. And notice... What the angel said to these shepherds, Luke 2, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. A savior has been born to you. See, this language echoes the language of the prophet Isaiah, who 700 years before Jesus was born, wrote these words. Why don't you read these out loud with me? There we go. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. See, this child, this savior is God's gift to us. That's the language God uses to describe Jesus coming. Jesus is a gift of love to us from the heart of God, which which reveals something so important. God is for us. He is for us. Think about that. So many people today have this view of God being against us, a view of a God who is distant, uncaring, who's, who's you know, disengaged, he's angry all the time. But what we see in the Christmas event is the opposite of that. We see a God who is for us, a God who saw us in our situation, and he gave a gift to help us. Actually, the word is more significant than help. God sent us this gift to save us. That's the language the angel uses. And that is critical. That's absolutely critical in our understanding and experiencing the true meaning of Christmas. Jesus didn't come to simply give us advice. He didn't come to simply give us wisdom or or a new set of rules to follow. He didn't come to simply establish a new religion. No, no, no. He came on a rescue mission. He came to save us. To save us from what? Well, here's the deal. Even though God is for us We are against him. That's the problem. We posture our lives to be against him, to resist him, to rebel against him, to reject him. That's our story as humanity. We we don't follow God very well. We don't love God very well. We don't align our lives with him very well. 
We may, we may pray to him occasionally when we're in trouble and think of him on certain holidays, but, but in our day-to-day lives, we basically do our own thing. And the Bible has a word for that. It's called sin. See, sin is our choice to live with self in the driver's seat of our lives rather than God. And our sin, it separates us from God. The issue is not on God's side. No, the issue is on our side. We're the ones who have rebelled against him. And because of that, we deserve his judgment. We deserve his wrath. And there's nothing we can do to escape this, which is why God sent this gift of his son, Jesus. Jesus came to be our savior. He came to die on the cross for our sins, to take upon himself the penalty and the judgment that we deserve. I mean, what an amazing gift. This is like being on death row and receiving a pardon, right? It's like someone, it's like you owing someone a million dollars. Think about that. You owing someone a million dollars and they come to you later today and they just say, hey, your debt is forgiven. You don't owe me anything. See, that, that's what God has done for us. We deserve God's judgment. We have a million dollar size debt of sin we can't pay. So God chose to pay it. He chose to take the death sentence we deserved by sending his son Jesus to die in our place. Jesus came to save us. Now, the wonderful thing about this gift, as explained by the angel, is that it is for all people. This gift is available to anyone, regardless of your gender, your age, your checkered past, your economic status, your ethnicity, your sexual impulses, your addictions, your abilities or disabilities. God is for you. This gift is given to you. But here's the deal about a gift. It it has to be received in order to be experienced. I mean, there are probably some gifts around a Christmas tree right now with your name on them, but they are only yours if you actually receive them. You could go home today and just throw them all in the trash before you even open them. No, no one's going to force you to receive a gift. And God is the same way. He sent his son Jesus as a gift to you to save you from the penalty of your sin. But he is not going to force you to receive this gift. And a lot of people today, they choose not to. They choose not to receive this gift. And they miss out on the wonderful gift of God's salvation through Jesus. The joy of relationship with him. Don't miss, don't miss the true meaning and message of Christmas. God is not against you. He is not against you. He is for you. He loves you and he longs to have a relationship with you. And he actually paid the price to make that happen. All he asks is that you receive this gift. Now, I'm not done with the message. There's a whole nother section I want to talk about, but I just feel like I want to stop right now and give an opportunity for anyone here to receive this gift. So would you close your eyes, just pray with me. And if this is the desire of your heart, maybe you have never done this, maybe you're not sure you've ever done this. If your desire is to enter into a relationship with God and receive the gift of salvation, then I invite you to pray along with me in the silence of your heart. Just pray along with me. Dear Jesus, I need you.
I acknowledge that I have done my own thing. I've not followed you very well. I'm sorry for my sin. I choose to place my trust in you and receive your forgiveness and salvation. Come live in me through the presence of your spirit. Change me from the inside out through the power of your love. Father, I pray for anyone who prayed that prayer. Help them grow now in this new relationship with you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So that is the foundational meaning of Christmas. God is for you, but that's not all. There is another very simple and life-changing truth in the Christmas event, and that is the truth that God is with you. God is with you. In the book of Matthew, chapter 1, we read the following words regarding the birth of Jesus. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. This is such a radical idea. I mean, especially in the culture in which Jesus was born. I mean, the gods of Greek and Roman mythology were very impersonal, never taking the initiative to love us or to draw near to us. Every other world religion is exactly the same way. It's a list of moral rules that we have to do in order to get God to turn our direction, to get God to accept us, to earn our way to him. But that's not what's happening in the Christmas event. See, God came to us. He became a human being. He moved into our neighborhood and became one of us, which is staggering, right? To think of the lengths to which he went in order for us to experience a relationship with him. Jesus came to earth to be with us which enabled him to provide the final sacrifice on the cross on our behalf, dying in our place. But there's something more to this God with us reality that is so easy for us to miss. And I know some of you here, you've been to so many Christmas Eve services and you're thinking, I've heard all this. I know all this. I get all this. And, and, and honestly, you're missing the impact of this truth. You, you may be missing the impact of this truth because this is not simply about a past tense reality. You know, Jesus came to earth to be with us. No, it is a present tense reality. See, when we place our trust in Jesus, his very own spirit comes to live in us. He is with us in a very personal, very real and permanent way. God is with us. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. This message of Christmas is so important, but it is so easily forgotten in the midst of all the holiday hype. See, for most of us here, our life doesn't look like a Hallmark Christmas movie. It doesn't feel like the hap happiest season of all. For many of us here, our reality is not marshmallows toasting. It's a cancer diagnosis or MS. It's a recent miscarriage or a divorce or a child committing suicide or an abusive spouse. It's a friend being in a car accident or a skiing accident. 
It's a lost job where we don't know how we're going to put food on the table. It's the overwhelming grief we feel from doing Christmas as a widow or Christmas without a parent or without a child. Or maybe it's the battle, our battle with anxiety or depression or an addiction. I mean, what does Christmas have to say to us in the midst of those realities? Nothing. If we're defining the meaning of Christmas in terms of snowfall and sleigh rides. But if we're defining Christmas as God does, as a very real experience of Emmanuel, God with us, that makes all the difference in the world. You are not alone. You are not alone. You are not forgotten. You have a God who is walking with you, even in the midst of the shadow of death. I love how, the, how Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah says this in Isaiah 41. God is speaking to us, and this is what God says. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. See, that is a Christmas reality that can bring real meaning to our lives. God is with you, even in your grief, even in your depression, your anxiety, your failure, your loneliness, your unmet longings your doubts, your confusion, God is with you. <clears throat> As many of you know, um, we have a, um, a, one of our sons named Joshua. He's 16 years old, and he has some um, unique cognitive um, challenges and delays and some verbal challenges and delays. And, but God often uses Joshua to reveal to me God's heart, and I'm currently in one of those seasons right now. So for a couple of years now, Nearly every night, it happened three times last night, nearly every night, Joshua will wake up anytime between two and five in the morning, and he, he will realize that his sheets and his blanket are no longer covering him. So rather than grabbing his sheets and pulling them back over his body, he will call my name, Gaga. Gaga, that's what he calls me, uh, Gaga. And I, I will get up, I'll wake up, I'll get up, I'll tuck him back in, and then I'll go back to bed. And I lay there for like 30 minutes because I can't go back to sleep and I just get more and more frustrated, right? And so, so, so this, this is happening. And then I shared this recently, just this recently with a spiritual director person that I meet with once a month. And <clears throat> I was hoping he would sympathize with me, you know, um, and, and maybe acknowledge my frustration. But instead he asked me a question that I'm discovering spiritual direction type people ask all the time. Okay, but he, he asked me this, he said, I wonder, Alan, no, he said, um, what do you think God might be saying to you in the midst of this? What do you think God might be saying to you in the midst of this? And I immediately knew the answer. If I am that accessible to Joshua at any time, day or night, because of my love for him, how much more is God, my Gaga, accessible to me 24-7. See, how much more is he ready and available to cover me and you with his love whenever we need it? In the aftermath of a failure, in the midst of overwhelming insecurity or anxiety or grief, he is with me 
and he is with you no matter what you're going through. See, we, we dare not miss the truth of this Christmas event we're talking about. It. We dare not miss the truth of the Christmas event. It is a vivid picture. Think about it. Jesus coming to us. It is a vivid picture of how desperately God wants to be with us and how committed he is to that reality. Okay, now, having God with us doesn't mean that he automatically fixes or removes whatever difficult or painful situation we find ourselves in. It doesn't mean that, but it does open a door for us to experience something incredibly life-giving in the midst of our difficulties. The, the Apostle Paul describes this so well in Colossians 1.27. Look at this verse. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. See, Paul is saying that, this, that the foundational message of the gospel, the good news, is this reality of God with us, of Christ in us. But notice what that points us to, the hope of glory. You see, the reality of having Christ in us, God with us, ultimately leads to hope rather than despair. But, but here's the deal. Hope is not present focused. It's not. By the definition of the word, it's not present focus. It is not a reflection of our present circumstance. And no, no, no. Hope is future focused. See, Paul is saying that when we know this reality of Christ in us, God with us, it will fill our hearts with a glorious hope for the future. The hope of heaven when all of this pain and garbage in our world today, the disease and the shootings and the broken relationships, when all of that will be restored, all of that will be removed and restored, and we will be with Jesus forever. See, that is our hope. And that hope encourages us and it sustains us in the midst of this life. See, here, here's the deal. If our hope, this is so important, if, if our hope is in snowflakes and sleigh bells, and perfect health, and hallmark relationships, we will be disappointed. Not only at Christmas, but continually. Because all of that is fleeting, no matter how hard we try to make it happen. It is fleeting. But when we live in the truth that God is with us, that Christ is in us. We actually experience our circumstances differently. We're not alone, and we have an incredible future awaiting us. So please don't let all the expectations and all the emotions and all the experiences of this holiday season, don't let those things cause you to miss what Christmas is truly about. God is for you. And he is with you. Let those truths fill your heart with joy and peace and hope, no matter what your circumstances. Now, before we pray, I want to take a moment and I want to light the center candle. I told you, Dave, this would not work when I needed it. And where's my plan B? Okay. There we go. I got it. This is the called the this is referred to as the Christ candle. It's in the center of the advent wreath. 
for me personally, this candle, is, it's all about hope. It reminds me that God is for me and he is with me no matter what. In the midst of whatever darkness I'm facing, Jesus is with me and is greater than the darkness, greater than the anxiety, the fears, the pain. And that is my longing for you, that this moment and this candle would remind you that God is for you and he is with you right now, no matter what you're going through. So let's pray together. And I want us to take a moment here. We often do this in our service. It's just a time to respond. I want you to take a moment and just quiet our hearts. Take a deep breath if you want. Again, here, just quiet your heart. And I want you to be attentive to God. He is with you right now. Be attentive to him. Just sit in that truth for a moment. Emmanuel, God with me. Now, as we're present to him, I just want to encourage you, just in the quiet of your heart, ask him to cover you with his love right now. <laughs> Wherever you feel exposed or cold or whatever's going on, Lord, just that, that the Lord would, ex would just cover you with his love right now. Ask him to fill your darkness with his light. And now I encourage you just to fix your heart on the hope that is yours. That one day when Jesus returns, all that is broken in this world will be restored. Let that hope fill your heart. So God, thank you that you are with us, covering us with your love, filling our hearts with your hope. Thank you that this is the true meaning of Christmas. It's not just information. It is a reality we can walk in. And I pray for each one of us to walk in this and experience this more and more. So thank you, Jesus, for being our Emmanuel, God with us.